this is Roger Green, host of the podcast still known as Surfing the Nash Tsunami. Today we are offering six conversations from episode 41, our review of last week's FDA workshop on NITs, with two conversations from each of our three interviews with key participants in the event. This conversation is the first part of our interview with Liver Forum Executive Director Veronica Miller. Veronica starts by commending FDA for organizing the workshop and indicates that now we all need to process the data, which will take time and conversation and reflection. I asked Veronica what FDA might have done better in the meeting, and she indicates the only thing she can think of is they might have given us more feedback about how far they feel we have come on this issue. She also notes that there are many steps ahead and FDA needs to be more cautious. She feels that the mix of data presentations and panel discussions work well. She points to ballooning and its challenges as the clearest point needing change and then goes back to Dr. Laura Lee Johnson from the FDA's question about why are we validating a surrogate with a surrogate? I share a comment from our first season's episode after the first OCA complete response letter and how a regulatory consultant we invited to that episode elicited a really strong reaction from Stephen Harrison for making a similar comment. This leads Louise Campbell to ask whether we should look to broaden our target outcomes beyond liver. Veronica notes that we've traditionally looked at all drugs in an organ-specific way, but wonders whether the new nomenclature that focuses more attention on metabolic disease will change this, although the topic was not really addressed in the workshop. As the conversation ends, I ask Veronica whether approaches like Nail NIT respond to the surrogate and surrogate question. Veronica says that they do, and that other groups like Nimble and Litmus are looking at similar issues, although they sometimes compare to biopsy, which is what drove the surrogate of surrogate comment in the first place. For the rest of this conversation, I asked Veronica how large an impact she believes the workshop will have. After we wrestle with various metaphors for describing momentum, Veronica states that she believes this will bring momentum to the evolving process over time and in a significant way. This two-day FDA workshop on NITs was a seminal event in the development of NASH drugs and diagnostics. The Tsunami team was delighted to attend and thoroughly enjoyed these three conversations with leading participants. I anticipate you might as well, so just uh, sit back, listen, learn, enjoy, and you're done. Join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. So, Veronica, fascinating couple of days, yeah? Veronica Miller. It was. It was. Intensive discussions, very good presentations, very good material presented. The organizers at the FDA did a terrific job of pulling it all together in the way they did. Now, of course, we have to then think about what was presented and what will the conclusions be that will be drawn. So, in the overall context of the organization and that statement, and I agree with you, I the presentations were fantastic and the organization the event was wonderful. What do you think might have worked better, if anything? That they could have done better, you know, really helping us understand how far they think we have come. You know, in the end, I think there was a good summing up of the meeting. But these kinds of discussions, you know, will just take an awful lot of additional discussions and in different settings to really drill down to the bottom of it. So a lot of was raised, for example, in that last panel about how we look at these uh, non-invasive tests right in combination by themselves and just because we look at them in combination doesn't mean it's necessarily immediately going to be a score or an algorithm you know it's looking at individual patient level data versus population level data etc there's so much that still needs to be discussed about how they will actually be used but I think it was just a good step forward in terms of having them as an audience to present to and by them I mean our colleagues at the FDA they've 
got a tough job, you know, they've got a tough job. And they reminded us at the beginning of the first day that things can go wrong and they have to protect the public health, but they also should be promoting health. It's in the end an individual decision. And of course, you know, within a division, they probably have a division level decision, but it's it's a decision of how much uncertainty is too much uncertainty and how much uncertainty under what context are we willing to live with and who takes the blame when that uncertainty turns out to be, hmm, we should have really been, you know, much more cautious because they talk about the uh, the Alzheimer's case, the McKenna case, the cardiovascular case, of course, and, and certainly where things have gone wrong, where things haven't panned out in, in the clinical endpoint study. But at the same time, you know, in the Alzheimer's case, they pulled together data that convinced them. And it didn't really convince many other people outside of, of the agency. It's a difficult task to do this. And NASH is a complicated disease. All true. And there are good reasons that um, many of us have chosen not to want to work in the government, even though we appreciate the importance of what they do and the value of it. I, I, I personally don't have the temperament for it, I have to confess. And when I was young, I really didn't have the temperament for it. With all that said, as you said, a good step forward. What were some of the things you think worked particularly well besides the quality of the presentations? It was good to have of, you know, the presentations followed by the panel discussions. I don't know how many questions from the audience actually got to be asked and answered because there was certainly enough just within each panel to discuss. There was clearly consensus on how ballooning as a diagnostic and prognostic and, and outcome marker just does not work. So hopefully that will will be something that the consensus reaches them as well. And what I was also surprised at at the end was how the statistician, Dr. Johnson, mentioned that I think that was the clearest statement yet about why are you trying to validate a surrogate with a surrogate? You know, why don't we just go right to the clinical outcome? You know, people have just looked at the wording of the guidance in different ways. So I think that was that was really, really clarifying. But then how do we move forward to get to the next step? And what is the definition of reasonably likely? You know, it's a definition that can't be put into a formula. It's really based on how do you look at the data and how convinced are you by the data? Different people will come up with different uh, conclusions. And like I say, whether they do or they don't, they're always blamed if something goes wrong. So it's a tough job they have and they deserve our support. We agree. I've got a thought and then I'm going to turn to Louise and see what, what she'd like to ask you about the overall event. I don't know if you listened to us back in our very first year. Most people couldn't find us. But right after the um, first OCA non-approval, we had on an FDA consultant who basically said that if you went to the cocktail parties, people would tell you that they would like to do away with surrogates entirely and just wait for clinical endpoints. Mm -hmm. Stephen Harrison's a big guy. I thought he was going to come through the wire, literally, and throttle this dude. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard him so exercised in my life as, uh, on the idea that there might not be surrogates. Uh, Louise, you recall? Louise is smiling. Uh, uh, yeah, well, was, I wouldn't want to be throttled by Steve. No, no, not, not even through a telephone, i got to tell you. Um, but as I was listening to the questions about a surrogate of a surrogate yesterday, I hearkened back for the first time to the idea that there's probably a lot more sentiment behind that statement than we ever hear about on this podcast. So I, I'm, I'm glad that they noted that. Louise, you got a question for Veronica before we kind of move on next topic? Louise Campbell. I did. Uh, and it was related to Laura Lee. To echo what you said there, she challenged that way of thinking and 
and for outcomes. And I suppose that raised a question for me in in the context. We focus very much on liver-related outcomes. We've had discussions on the podcast before that if we only keep it to liver-related outcomes, we're talking about a small proportion of all-cause mortality. But if we looked at liver health related outcomes, improvements to cardiovascular disease, improvements of diabetes uh, metrics, things like that. Do we look on listening to her and the feel of that last session, do we look to broaden the outcomes that we assess or do you think we still need to keep very specific to only liver related outcomes? Because they take a long time to achieve. Right. Well, that's a very good question, Louise. It will be interesting to see if the new definition or the new nomenclature, which is metabolic-associated steatotic liver disease, um, will change any of that. So traditionally, in, in teaching medicine and all the work that's done in different agencies related to health, etc., it's always been very organ-specific, right? So you treat the liver, you look for liver outcome. You treat the heart, you look for a cardiovascular outcome. And even though these are so interrelated, it behooves all of us to really look across these organ systems. And if the liver improves, uh, does the cardiovascular system improve as well? I think is is really, really important because of how they're all intertwined. So you have to look, you know, in the end at what comes out of the guidance or what the individual sponsors, when they have their meetings with, with the FDA, what is decided. But generally speaking, I think the field is moving more towards recognizing that. But that topic wasn't even addressed. I, I didn't really see that being addressed over the last two I thought it being addressed slightly in one of the presentations where they talked about the idea that from F0 through F3, the major causes of mortality are not liver. The statement was made, but I... I, Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. But I think it kind of hung out there. It wasn't something that got a lot of attention. The statement was made, but but yeah. I have one more question about surrogate of a surrogate before we go on. I think the logic behind Stephen and Mazin doing the Nail NIT consortium was specifically to get away from surrogate of a surrogate, Mm -hmm. leapfrog biopsy, and go directly from surrogate to outcome. Did it strike you that what they're doing aligned with Dr. Johnson's statement or was she off in a different direction even than they're going, do you think? You know, that's that's hard to say because it, like I said, I was a little bit surprised, you know, with, with the clarity of, of her statement there. And I think I can't really speak to that in terms of whether she was, I mean, I mean it seems like, you know, they're going in the same direction. And, you know, the nail NIT is one way to do it, but I think many others are already looking at that as well in terms of individual or combination of tests and and how that impacts. But, you know, we need good infrastructure. We need long-term studies to be able to look at that, of course. The comment that she did make was, you know, the reason she was not convinced that some of these NITs predict clinical outcome is that so many of the studies were were relating it to the biopsy. Yep. In fact, I thought specifically that was a surrogate of a surrogate point is if the biopsy is a surrogate, then there you go. So in understanding that this is a complicated process and that this was only the first stage. You know, there's a metaphor about you got a lake, you drop a pebble in and it makes a small ripple. You drop a boulder and it makes a much bigger ripple. Um, How big a ripple do you anticipate this will make over time on how the agency looks at these issues? Well, I think uh, the pebble and and the boulder is a good metaphor, but those are independent events. Somebody throws the little pebble in and somebody throws in the bubble. I see this more as a continuous uh, progression where the little pebble that was dropped in has other pebbles 
pebbles that join it. I, I don't know how to explain the metaphor with the pebbles in the boulder, but... Let me try it this way. A speedboat comes through the lake. Obviously, it will swamp anything but the biggest boulder, okay? On the other hand, a fishing boat comes through the lake. There may still be ripples from the stone, depending on the size of the stone. Right, right, right. So I, I think it's a start that will initially maybe start with a, with a little ripple, but that ripple will grow. It's, it's not, you know, that the ripple is there and then it disappears. The ripple will grow because the data that will be coming in. So, you know, it's really the metaphor really is the data. Uh, do we have a little data or do we have a whole bunch of data? And we're building on the data. So I see it more, maybe a better metaphor might be a snowball, right? That it starts small and then it gains size and power as, as it progresses. Because I think once you start and people, you know, untying the knot, right? When Once you get the right place to start pulling things apart, then things become clear, things become more aligned and, and we can move forward. But what is very, very clear to me, and this is why I always appreciate what Quentin says, is that we need to all pull in the same direction. We all need to kind of measure, report out things so that we understand if this NIT changes with this mechanism of action, but we've never measured it with another mechanism of action. Uh, how do we really understand? You know, So we need to all measure the same thing, report the same thing so we can really learn. And then collaborations like our placebo database at, at the forum, like the Nimble, which is continuing. Litmus has done heroic work. Unfortunately, their funding has stopped now, but it, it takes a lot of infrastructure and collaboration to get there. Just even a little bit more of an alignment will have a huge impact. Maybe not today, maybe not immediately, but you start aligning a little bit and suddenly you have a path forward. It certainly conveys what the work the forum does and the way that you folks do it, that that is the perspective that underlies it and makes, you know, I think at the end of the day, makes a ton of sense given the focus. Other than Dr. Johnson's comment about surrogate of a surrogate, what surprised you most, if anything? Yeah, because I guess I know our, our colleagues at the FDA and I know the, the presenters, so there weren't really any other surprises. You know, people said what I, I kind of expected them to say. I think maybe the biggest surprise is that the FDA actually held this meeting. And, you know, these meetings take a long time to plan and the FDA bureaucracy moves slowly and the administrative processes. So we know that the decision to have this meeting was made a long time ago. So I think I, I would really like to congratulate them on, on the job, you know, the, the the work that they did to put into this and that it, it came out the way it did. So the only surprise might be that there were no surprises, but that doesn't even sound like a surprise. It sounds like this is a fairly predictable uh, event on that level. But that's from my perspective, because I know, you know, I'm, I'm sort of living this day in and day out. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with coverage of Easel's SLD Summit. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you soon on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.